Welcome to the Joy Factory monthly and inappropriately named podcast for the Joy Factory project by yours truly, Sean Duke. On today's show, some updates on what I've been doing the past two weeks because I've been quiet and also some thoughts on virtual conventions, but more particularly two specific events that I recently attended. Let's get to it. Thanks so much for joining me today on this adventure of virtual nerdery. I am Sean Duke, your host, proprietor of the Skiffy and Fanty Show, professor of nerdly things, and sometimes writer and TTRPG dork. If you're here, it means you fell down a well, probably got sucked into a spaceship, into a vortex or something, and now you're looking for something to take your mind off of all the nonsense of the world. So before we talk about virtual conventions, the main affair of today... I do want to talk about some of the quick updates and things you need to know about the Joy Factory project because they're kind of in order. So one thing you'll obviously have noticed because I mentioned in the last show and I've been doing more of it, I have been doing lots of things with music, just really having fun, playing around with loops and samples and doing a lot of nifty stuff. But I also am kind of getting a little bit more into it than I think I was expecting because with some recommendations from the G of Nerds of a Feather, I may have just purchased a Nectar Impact LX49 Plus, which is a MIDI keyboard with lots of little doodads and doodles on it. I also purchased FL Studio Fruity Loops uh, just so I can play around with music. And I think I'm going to be doing that a bit more because I'm having fun just doodling around with sound. Uh, you'll probably hear some of that on this show, which I'd mentioned the last episode, episode four, but I'm also going to be doing it for other kinds of projects. If you are following me on the Joy Factory project, you actually would have seen fairly recently, I actually made some music for this actual play project I'm doing, and I shared it on there. Also, a bit of, I guess, some honesty. So, in addition to the fact that I did, in fact, need to prepare for and attend a pretty big event, the the International Conference on the Fantastic and the Arts, which we'll talk about in a minute here, I've also been a bit, honestly, overwhelmed. There's a lot going on at the moment in my life, uh, you know, conferences and all of that stuff. I've attended two major events in the last two months. I've also got a lot going on at work. Some of you know that personally, it's kind of complicated and it's nonsense and it's meant that a, suddenly a lot of my free time was spent doing something that I didn't really want to be doing uh, and unfortunately had to do and for which I have no guarantees and have not paid, which is a little frustrating. Uh, so that's kind of winding down a little bit, thankfully, uh, and some of the disasters have sort of reverted themselves also thankfully. Um, but it's just, it's a lot on the on the plate. I'm also, you know, doing things like I basically do all of the work now over at the Skiffing Fanty Show, my main podcast. That means podcasting, scheduling. Uh, I'm also working on this actual play podcasting project. I'm working on this project. And also I am working on some secret stuff that I can't tell you about because it's secret and until I can publicly announce it, I can't say anything. So it's been kind of a, a lot of 
my time being really divided because I need to be able to do things that are also just for me, uh, which I think is a thing I most of you can kind of understand. Uh, the last thing is also now that winter is on its way out here in very far northern Minnesota, I'm starting to collect all of the little bits of home repairs that I need to do on my house, uh, one of which is the repair of my garage skirt, uh, or it has other things grading. I don't know what the terms are, but uh, that is a thing that I found during this winter in particular, probably is going to need to be fixed before next winter, and that is looking like it's going to be an expensive thing, which is my moment of saying, hey, if you like what I do patreon.com slash the joy factory because oh my god repairing the skirt is a lot of money it's basically like i don't know twice my monthly wages uh just to repair and it's it's not it's not good so i'll probably be talking more about that it's not very joyful but it is kind of wild and amusing in a just kind of twisted way also, I just want to note that I am still trying to work on converting the Joy Factory into a kind of weekly newsletter, changing it up a bit, adding a little bit more reflective writing into the work, and I think that's really important. This was going to actually probably happen this week, except Substack, which is the platform I was going to use because a lot of people use it and it looks very nice, unfortunately had some let's say, uh, really horrible things came out about its business practices. And uh, that involves some anti-trans connections and paying people as part of its pro program. I'm still working on it. I'm just trying to find a suitable service that is intuitive to use, looks nice, and allows me to do some fiddly bits and make it look better than just text. Uh, I'm looking at MailChimp and Twitter's review right now. There are some others that I might play around with. So that's all what's kind of going on. Also, I, I am now trying to get caught up on stuff. There's a lot going on in terms of things I want to write for the Joy Factory project. One of the things that I'm probably going to do a bit more now is just really turn my brain into more reflective writing. Uh, things like, you know, thinking about exploring ideas or just talking about why I enjoyed a piece of media and stop thinking necessarily about the critical avenue that goes in that. My brain is, I think everybody knows, very academically inclined. And that has a tendency, I think, for me to sometimes mean that I really want to have like a deep dig into something instead of maybe just sitting back and saying, well, why don't I just have reactions or reflections on something or think a little bit less about how serious the writing is and more about really reflecting the joy that I feel when I'm in, when I'm reading something or uh, watching a media product. So you'll probably hear about some of that for this. Uh, I'll probably offer some reflective things in later episodes of this, but also on the Joy Factory project itself, which goes to things like medium.com slash the Joy Factory and other places. So expect more of that. Anyway, so if you want to follow along, you can watch the space. Go to medium.com slash the Joy Factory if you want more, or you can even go to the project at patreon.com slash the Joy Factory. Now let's take a dive into thinking about virtual conventions and conferences so obviously we're still in pandemic land. Vaccines are rolling out, which is really cool. And I just want to note, I get I get that this is a very stressful time, but I want you to try to find a little bit of the bright side on this, which is that in fairly record time, uh, you know, many scientists and medical professionals and institutions, imperfect institutions as they are, have rolled out. I don't know what, like four, four different vaccines at this point uh, that all have relatively high effective rates for at least reducing the, the severity of illness that people can get from COVID-19. 
that is something that we should be pretty proud of as a species uh, that that we're capable of this you know that 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 should give you some hope that there's the possibility in the future that we could fix the other problems it's going to be messy and hard but goodness gracious we're rolling out vaccines by the millions right now at least in the united states other places in the world are still trying to get access and that's certainly a problem uh, that we need to address. So my girlfriend in Vietnam, for example, uh, isn't sure when they'll get vaccines, possibly 2022 at the earliest, which is a while. But I think it's really important to note that things are moving in the right direction. That said, we're still in pandemic land. And that means conventions are still largely virtual, at least probably for the next six months. You know, Worldcon is trying to consider whether or not it can even run an in-person convention at this point. I am skeptical that it will be in August, which is when they want to do it in general. I think probably September or October is probably the earliest we're going to be able to do that safely. But I think one of the good things is it's giving us more time to play around with how virtual conventions could be structured, to try new technologies, new ways of doing things, uh, finding different ways to interact. The other great thing I think about virtual conventions is while imperfect, they do allow for the possibility of a much more international and diverse base of attendees, but also participants in in the actual panel structures. So I want to say in this respect, one of the conventions that I'm going to talk about is an academic conference, which is the International Conference on the fantastic in the arts ICFA, and this can you know convention is called international and while a, a good chunk of international people usually come to this convention it's very much u.s oriented the the content is more international but historically it's been less super international than it has been more regional and that is not the case with the virtual convention in which there was a significantly higher percentage of scholars uh, from all over the globe, from Europe, there were scholars from Southeast Asia, there was all of this going on. Again, imperfect, but a lot more than you would normally see. And I think that's really important. In the last year alone, I have actually attended more events than I think I normally would. You know, my, my typical events are basically have been either a Worldcon, if Worldcon's not in the United States, or uh, I go to Capricorn which is in Chicago, and then I go to Convergence. That's pretty much all of my convention going. Occasionally, I'll go to something else, but financially, I've just never been able to do it, so I go to ones that are relatively nearby. In the last year, though, I've attended way more. Yes, I went to Worldcon. Uh, Convergence basically didn't really run, so I didn't really attend that. But I also attended a horror convention called KillerCon, which was pretty interesting. Uh, I, I attended FiaCon, which was honestly one of the best virtual conventions i've ever seen in my entire life to be fair i haven't seen that many but uh you know it set the bar pretty high and then i also attended more very recently as i mentioned capricorn this year and also icfa and i want to talk about a little bit about this because there's a lot of dynamics i think it's important to note here so for me i actually really prefer virtual conventions to in-person ones that's not to suggest that i don't like in-person conventions I do like them in certain circumstances, especially when I know there are people there that I know, because, you know, in a lot of cases, many of the people that I know in the science fiction fantasy world are people that I only interact with online or only occasionally at conventions or conferences. So 
even though I do prefer the virtual experience, I, I still like to have that in, in personness. But one of the big reasons I like the uh, the virtual experience is, despite what may, many people may think about me, I'm actually pretty introverted. That is that uh, I have a pretty easily uh, degraded tank of energy for people stuff. And it can be really difficult for me to be constantly, you know, switched on. And in an in-person convention, you're surrounded by people all the time. And so my tank gets sucked out real quick. Online, it does not. Uh, I still have less tank than other people. But, uh, you know, it really helps to be able to sit there in a virtual space. And if I want to interact, I can. But if I don't want to, I can just enjoy the event, right? I can just be there, you know, and then I can come back. And, and get into a conversation with somebody later. The other big thing is I can attend more events. Look, the reality is the United States is huge. And that's not including conventions that are outside the United States, of which there are many that I would like to attend. And that is pricey to go. If, if I want to go to two or three events in a year, right? we're talking, unless it's covered by my work, which sometimes it can be, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's money that I don't get back. And so it's pricey. And and I want to note that I am right now basically effectively middle class. And so I understand very well as somebody who used to be poor as hell, uh, just how hard it is to get to conventions. I mean, there was a time when basically the only conventions I attended were the ones that I could get to for, for cheap. So going to conventions in big cities, for example, because I could fly to Minneapolis for cheap. So I go to, I go to convergence, you know, shacking up with friends, doing lots of things to save money. And so the reality is that with virtual conventions, the real barrier for entry now for me is, you know, if there's a fee, and sometimes the fees are not that bad, so it's it's really easy to, to choose. So I attend more. I can also multitask, which I think is really important that, uh, you know, if I just really am not interested in the conversation right then, but I want to hear what people are saying on a panel, I can basically stick it on my phone or put it in my headphones and go go do something else with my hands, like cleaning my house or going on a walk, which you you basically can't do at an in-person convention because you can't take the panel with you uh, unless I guess you're going to, you know, stick them on the bed of a truck and drive them around town. So I get to do that. Uh, I also find that weirdly uh, online conventions, virtual conventions increase my engagement. Uh, and I, I don't really quite understand why, but, you know, a lot of them have used things like Discord to increase conversations. And I find myself talking to folks a lot more, sharing more resources, you know, getting a lot more out of it. The, at ICFA, for example, uh, I actually found out about a new book series that I'm going to be submitting a proposal to because of just the the sheer amount of, of sharing of resources and and all of that. And also being able to talk to the editors of that series and letting them know basically it's coming. <laughs> You've been warned. Uh, and and seeing that the reaction is not like, oh, ooh, but really like, oh, I'm really excited to see this. That's the other thing that I think virtual conventions have really shown is that, yeah, there's always that percentage of people who are kind of turds, but a lot of folks are just really nice. It's a lot of sharing and exploring of ideas. It's imperfect. Every convention's culture is a reflection of the kinds of people who feel welcomed there. But I think one of the things that both of the conventions I've I've talked about has shown is that there's been a definitely a shift to who is considered, you know, welcome in a space. And so in that respect, I want to talk briefly about the two conventions or co one conference, one convention that I've attended. So the first was Capricorn. 
It ran virtually this year. Last year it ran in full, and I attended it in full as an in-person event, which had Tobias McHale. This year, uh, I actually helped with programming. I want to say that by helped, I would would consider my contributions, I guess, sort of like middle of the road. Um, I helped with panel, some panel descriptions. If you saw a weird title at at Capricorn, it it almost certainly was one of mine uh, because I apparently am really good at panel titling. Uh, I can just make them really cutesy. So, uh, but I did help a little bit. I also basically helped Brandon O'Brien become one of the guests of honor. His name came up and I just really was pushing him because Brandon is honestly an amazing fellow. So I'm a little biased is really what I'm getting at. However, I will just note that Capricorn had the benefit of being a science fiction convention that had almost an entire year of other online conventions basically going before it, including Fiacon, uh, which I consider to be one of the best virtual conventions ever made. And so in that respect, one thing I would say about Capricorn is that it went about as well as Fiacon. It's a different convention, different culture. Uh, There were more panels than at Fiacon. There's a lot more interactivity. I didn't get to go to all of the things and some of the events I didn't attend because they weren't really my kind of thing. So I don't know about some of the craft events, how those went. But I can say that from my experience, it went about as well, right? Lots of conversation on the Discord. It was very vibrant community-wise. Tons of interaction in a lot of the panels that I saw, not just ones that I was on, but also ones that uh, I watched. Um, it was really great. I also love that the Discord became a way, in some cases, to actually have conversations with the panelists at, at times, especially for ones where they wanted audience interaction. So, in that respect, I think it went remarkably well. Also, the programming was pretty diverse. Obviously, the programming could be better. There were some flaws. I think there were some panels that, you know, in in retrospect, we we probably needed to push back to make sure we could get more people onto them. But overall, the programming was pretty good. Some of this is also Brandon's fault because when he was asked, what do you want to do? He was like, here's 8,000 things that are awesome. And we agreed. They were awesome. So I do want to note that there was... As far as I can tell, one hiccup. I did not witness this, and I only saw some things in the Discord chat that didn't didn't have enough information for me to exactly know what, what went on. It was for one of the cosplay panels. Uh, my understanding is that it seemed to be downplaying racism in the cosplay community and a culture appropriation. But again, I wasn't there, and I didn't have the full context of what was going on. What I can say is it was a immediately addressed by one of the Capricorn uh, volunteers, one of the, the the people serving as a liaison, and I, and it was forwarded to the board, which I think is important that this was heard, it was immediately recognized as a problem, and it was forwarded to the board. I think in some respect, that's a thing maybe we could have addressed before the convention, but I, I think it was just something that missed just because of the sheer amount of stuff it happens. Uh, I think the important thing is that Capricorn very clearly wanted this convention to be a certain experience and any flaw was a thing that Capricorn immediately responded to. Capricorn wasn't perfect. I think there isn't a perfect virtual convention. Firecons is at least as close, but I think that overall Capricorn was an enormous success. Now, ICFA is the other one. Now, ICFA is the International Conference on the Fantastic in the Arts. This is technically an academic conference, but it has a pretty significant... Um, 
a pretty significant writing track that involves a lot of authors. So I would say a, a little less than 50% of the convention is actually, or conference is actually uh, author related stuff. So author interviews, discussions, talks, talking about writing, it might even be more, it might be more like 60, 40 or, or 55, 45. And then the rest are panels and stuff. Now this year's ICFAS was a little bit different than in previous years. Most academic conferences typically have people read or do a presentation of their their talk uh, at the convention, which means that there is a tendency that what people do is they do 15 to 20 minute talks, and then you have three of those in a row, sometimes four, and then there's time for questions at the end. In my opinion, I don't really like that style. It's It's a thing that exists in academia, and I find that it is kind of a little frustrating because... For the most part, people don't actually do presentations. They do readings, and I have been guilty of this. And I honestly, most of what we know about attention span, about how people f- basically when they check out, most people are checking out after the first paper, and they're not really getting a lot. Uh, instead, what ICFA did for the virtual convention was they required us roughly two to three weeks ahead of the convention to have either a paper or a audio presentation or a video presentation submitted so that they could then provide it to all attendees not for download but for for viewing and so that meant that you could basically do the reading before you came to a panel and then it could be much more about a conversation about the work and i actually really liked that i thought that was super effective as a way of getting us away from just sitting down and reading a thing and then hoping people are grasping all of it instead if someone was really into a topic they could read the stuff and they could reread it. They could take notes. I saw people on the on the Dropbox for this actually leaving comments, which I think is pretty cool. There, there could be potential problems with that because of some of the inherent sexism that it is, does exist in academia along with racism. I didn't see any, but it's, it's certainly possible. But I thought that was a really cool way of doing this. Is that much more effective? I got a way more out of it because I was now being much more conscious of like, I can't go to all of the panels. So I'm going to read the ones that I want to go to and bring questions. So overall, it was pretty effective. It also used the Discord similar to how all the others do. Um, I didn't use all the features because I'm tired and I didn't want to talk to people on the video chats. But my understanding is that folks were hanging out in the cabana chats, which is kind of cool as a way of trying to get us back to the pool culture of ICFA. Because that's the big thing about ICFA is actually the socializing, which is it's literally a big, big uh, hotel with a massive pool area that is also next to a, a sort of like pond, sort of small lake. Uh, which sometimes has gators in it. And so it's sort of this big environment where people hang out, they read, they do, you know, they go swimming and all of this stuff that's part of that in addition to everything else. So it's a super social environment and it's one of my favorites. And a number of my friends like uh, Jody Uriarte and um, El Ire and a number of other folks go there um, that are fantastic, Uh, you know, Juan San Miguel and, and others. So that said, while I miss the atmosphere of Vicva uh, in terms of the in-person stuff, you know, I miss I miss all of that culture stuff. I miss spending time with my friends. And while I think that overall the convention or the conference really went remarkably well, I would say there were some hiccups. Uh, one of the big ones was that there was some sort of user error going on with the Zoom, either how it was set up or something where occasion I've had it had happened to me twice, where basically everybody got booted out of the Zoom meetings, and it looks like it was just some sort of error in how it was set up. Um, they were pretty quick to try to fix it, and it's certainly annoying. But I will be just honest, compared to 
other conventions and events that were trying to do much more complicated technical things that also went horrifically wrong. Yeah, this sucks, and it's a thing you would hope they would get wrong, but it was also comparatively a, a much less annoyance than, you know, just the technology being a disaster. I'm looking at you, Worldcon. I get that what they tried was really a cool thing, but... Uh, it, I just didn't. I just think simplicity would have been better. Uh, I really do. I, sometimes simplicity is just the better way to do it. It's a thing I tell my students all the time. It's you know, if you're doing a infographic, simplicity is actually way better than overcomplication because you can look at tons of complicated infographics and oh my god, they're a nightmare to read. So that said, overall, ICFA was a I, I would say a, a pretty big success. You know, it was a, the first the first attempt at it. They didn't want to have to postpone the the conference. Yet again, you know, Jeff Vandermeer was there. It was hugely international. A lot of international folks, both in the writing and also in the academic track. Overall, I just I would just say that ICFA is fantastic. Also, I want to say this too. If you're a science fiction, fantasy, and horror dork, and you go to science fiction conventions, but you've wanted to go to something where there's a bit more critical engagement with the genre instead of, and, and I'm being careful here not to suggest that fan fan stuff is not critical, but in the sense that fans tend to not be coming from an academic perspective. Uh, they tend to come from a different perspective on how we do interpretation of, of literature and film. And I think that's a totally valid way of doing it. But academia has a different way. There's a different type of scholarship that's there. And if that's something that you're interested in, is seeing that kind of critical avenue, ICFA's really cool. It's, it's probably the only academic conference on genre that I would recommend people who aren't scholars go to. Because even though... You're not a, you're not a scholar. The culture of it is very much laid back. It's not snooty. It's super inviting. And even still, if you don't find yourself going to a lot of academic stuff, there are tons of events for general fans uh, to go to. In that respect, it's the closest I think you get to an academic conference that leans its way into these the very heavily fandom spaces, and not in a terrible way and actually the right kind of way so all right folks I, I could talk about this a lot more but i want to shut my mouth hole so there you have it uh, a whole new episode complete i do want to hear from you though because i know some people have attended virtual conventions so if you've attended one either a virtual convention or a virtual conference or both uh, i want to know what your experience was tell me what you felt about it how did did you like it what did you like what didn't you like what would you like to change in virtual experiences do you think that we should continue to do virtual conventions going forward when you know vaccines and this this pandemic are you know basically over i want to know from you and the best way to do that is to actually go to seanduke.net slash contact and sean duke is with a u uh, or you can send me a tweet at sean duke happy to hear you t there too if you're on the joy factory project on patreon uh you can also leave a comment there on the episode page that I'll be putting up. Obviously, make sure to check out the Joy Factory Monthly on your favorite podcatcher. It should be almost everywhere now, but if it's not, let me know and I'll make sure that it gets submitted. If you enjoy this show, if you find what I said pretty interesting and you want to support me, uh, the best way to do so right now is actually put a five-star review up on iTunes, letting folks know about the show. You can also go to patreon.com slash thejoyfactory if you want to support me financially. So on that note, joyful transmission concluded. Mm -hmm.